Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush becomes President-elect of the United States following Ronald Reagan's two-term presidency. Benazir Bhutto becomes the first Islamic woman Prime Minister of Pakistan. Canada's Brian Mulroney signs the Canada-U.S. Free Trade Agreement, and England's Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher, is in her ninth year as Prime Minister. The average movie ticket price is $3.50. A gallon of gas costs 91 cents, or about 24 cents a litre. American billionaire Ted Turner buys MGM's film library and starts TNT, Turner Network Television. Comedies dominate the Nielsen's as The Cosby Show, A Different World, Roseanne, Cheers, and The Golden Girls top the ratings. LA Law and Cheers pick up the Emmys for drama and comedy respectively. George Michael's Faith tops both the singles and the album chart according to Billboard magazine. Other top singles include In Excess's Need You Tonight, George Harrison's Got My Mind Set on You, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up, and Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine. The Grammy for Best Rap Performance goes to Parents Just Don't Understand by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Record of the Year is Paul Simon's Graceland. CDs outsell records for the first time. Canadian Ben Johnson beats Carl Lewis in the 100 meter at the Seoul Olympics, only to have his gold medal stripped from him for steroid abuse. Haley Joel Osment, Rumor Willis, and Rupert Grint are born while the entertainment community mourns the loss of Divine, Andy Gibb, John Holmes, John Houseman, and Roy Orbison. Tom Clancy's Cardinal of the Kremlin was the biggest selling hardcover book in the United States. Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time is the biggest nonfiction hardcover book published. Using radiocarbon dating, three independent teams of scientists discovered that the Shroud of Turin was created in the Middle Ages, about 1300 years after Jesus lived. The Iran Contra affair trial happens, and Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North and Vice Admiral John Poindexter are indicted on charges of conspiracy to defraud the United States. TAT-8, the first transatlantic fiber-optic telephone cable, is completed. A drought in the U.S. causes about $60 billion in damages, including major crop losses. Heat waves cause 4,800 to 17,000 deaths while scorching many areas of the United States. It's 1988, and, and this, this is, is Homophobia. I'm Alan. And I'm Mark. And we're going to be taking a look at the films of 1988. Woohoo! It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty decent year. There's some, there's some pretty solid stuff here. Yeah. Um, not a lot of real breakthrough stuff, but, but some solid stuff non- nonetheless. Uh, before we get down to business, though, we should uh, take a moment and wish Mark a happy birthday. Today's happy the birthday big day. Happy birthday to me. Woo! Here it is, his birthday, and we're making him work. Yeah. And the big 4-0. Uh-oh. Oh, pain. <laughs> yeah. It's all downhill from here, folks. Yeah, pretty much the beginning of the end right now. <laughs> but at least I'm not as old as Alan. Dude, I told you, I'm fucking going Walmart. I am rolling back. You are now <laughs> older than I am. Yeah. You, know, you, just keep, you just keep believing that. That is the way it works. Um, So shall we, shall we press on here? No. 
Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, let's go. All right. After 12 years in the minor leagues, I don't try out. Besides, uh, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good We're going to take a look at the top 20 grossing films of 1988, first of which is Ron Shelton's Bull Durham, starring uh, Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins. Yeah, that was uh, that was the movie that Tim Robbins met Susan Sarandon. Yeah, on. yeah, uh, his big breakthrough role. Mm-hmm. A great movie. I I I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Costner, especially in this time period, but Bull Durham transcends yeah. the blandness that is Kevin Costner. And yeah, he, he did a good job in it. I, I enjoyed it. It's a great film. I mean, it's got, it's got romance. It's got comedy. It's got a little bit of drama, but it's got everything. Um, Kevin Costner plays a, um, uh, uh, a minor league baseball player who is sort of, looking at the end of his career, but at the same time, he's about to set a major record, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to most people, except for the the big ba- baseball aficionado, uh, Susan Sarandon. Aficionado? Don't expect me to pronounce shit, dude. <laughs> if you could understand what I was talking about, then I was doing good. Um, so, yes, yeah, Sarandon, she is the... She, she prays at the Temple of Baseball, and she has turned the sport into a religion, and every year she chooses a new uh, player to mentor. And she's sort yeah. of torn between Costner and Robbins and ends up picking Robbins who, oh, what the hell is this character's name? Nuke Labouche? Uh, yeah, Nuke Labouche, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Who's a co- cocky up-and-comer. And um, and he and Costner kind of butt heads quite a bit throughout the show. <laughs> but Costner's there is is has been provided by the baseball team to to bring uh, uh, Robin's talents up to par. And in check. Yeah. Because he's yeah. a little bit wild. Yeah. Great movie. And yeah. it's hard to believe this was like Ron Shelton's first film. This mm-hmm. was his first film. Like, And this is a guy who's done, like, I think of his first six films, five of them were sports movies. Um, he did Tin Cup and White Men Can't Jump and Cobb and... Um, uh, his second film was Blaze, which isn't a sports movie, but it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's a good director. He's a great director. Yeah, and I, I, I can sit down and watch Bull Durham anytime oh, because it, it's one of those timeless movies. Yeah. You can easily watch it again and again. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And strangely enough, I have not seen this one. You're kidding. I have not. Okay, well, once again, Robert England returns as Freddy Krueger. Well, Imagine that. that. <laughs> wow, big shocker. <laughs> but behind the camera this time, we have um, an up-and-comer on the directing front, and that would be uh, Rennie Harlan. Uh, he, uh, after this, he went on to do uh, Die Hard 2 and mm-hmm. The Adventures of Fort Fairlane. 
Cliffhanger, oh, my favorite, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes, I Driven. was going to say Long Kiss Goodnight. I'm such a fan of yeah. Dana Davis. So. He's 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 a bit of a hack. I mean, but I enjoy his movies immensely. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there there's not a lot of directors that make films that are pure entertainment. There's no subtext. There's no. Well, I, I was just gonna say that. It's yeah. like yeah, it. There's no high concept. It is. Oh no, his films are all high concept. Well, there's there's no. It's, uh, it's, there's not a lot of thinking that you have to do no, when watching God, no. his movies. No, you sit down, throw on the autopilot, and just fucking enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, four was, I believe was the, okay, three was the Dream Masters, four is the Dream something or other. I don't have the title in front of me, my apologies, but it, um, it was actually the highest grossing Nightmare on Elm Street film in the series. And that's kind of what, uh, really, that was the big feather in Harlan's cap and really got things moving for Especially him. for, for a third sequel. Yeah. To a movie that started years before. Yeah. yeah. Like, and the first film, I mean, was never really financially successful. It was, it was more of a cult film that really, mm-hmm. really earned it, its position in, in, in horror lore because of home video. Yeah. And, uh, eternally typecast Robert England. Right. Yeah. Well, he, was, <laughs> he was kind of playing creepy people to begin with. He just, he just found the ultimate creep to be. Yeah. Number 18 was uh, Don Bluth's The Land Before Time. I love this movie. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, <laughs> well, this was, okay, well, in terms of what was going on behind the scenes, this was the, uh, Bluth had left Disney Studios and was starting to do his own films, and this was the mm. first one that he sort of did under his own name. Um, anytime I see anybody lose their shit over this movie, I know that I babysat them. <laughs> 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 It was it was one of those movies little kids loved and and to be mm-hmm. fair big kids did as well but and it 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 too spawned uh, I think five sequels well, after this direct to video sequels yeah nothing and else hit the uh, not a single one of them could touch this one yeah uh, they were all shit you know what I, it's hilarious like I've I've probably seen it like once or twice but um the only thing I really remember about it is Helen Shaver being the voice of uh, Littlefoot's mother <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Helen Shaver. Yeah, I I just recently rewatched this one uh, maybe a month or so ago, and uh, yeah, it, it's still enjoyable even though I watched it on like an ancient VHS videotape. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, the image quality was oh, yeah, I've I've seen downloaded videos on YouTube that have been. Much better quality than that, but see, you should be careful how you throw that word around. Ancient, you having a birthday today and all, and this film is only twenty Shut years your old. Whole so... old man. Well, you're saying that something twenty years old is ancient, and you just confessed to being uh, twenty 40. years older than that. So that makes you like ancient squared. Yeah, no, more more like ancient round. If you oh, okay. if you've seen me. <laughs> uh, next up is Disney's Beaches, number seventeen. Well. Touchstone. It was wow. under the under the Disney umbrella, but it would be wow. like saying that um, "Color of Night" is a Disney film. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beaches was done. It was directed by um, uh, Gary Marshall, I believe. It was his follow up to Pretty Woman, or did Pretty Woman come after? I think Pretty Woman came, came before. It was uh, it came out when I was living on my aunt Wendy's? Yeah. So yeah. But it stars Bed Midler and uh, Barbara Hershey, and it's essentially 
I'm throwing the old error quotes up up here now. It's a, a woman's film about mm. friendship. Um, you, I personally liked it. I really you're allowed to say it. chick flick. Well, I don't know. I I enjoy films that are about friendship. I think mm -hmm. that I mean, for especially now in 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 this day and age, I think that um, mm -hmm. our friends become as important or 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 at least closer than a lot of families are. Oh yeah. And I love films that explore that. Yeah, and uh, I haven't seen it, but. I know a lot about it already because yeah. I have walked in when like cousins have been watching it and uh, just the sheer volume of tears coming down uh, <laughs> have, have, has forced me from the room more than once. Um, and yeah, I, I know that if I did watch it, I would probably really enjoy it because I, I, I too like the whole exploration of friendship and I do, I do consider a lot of my friends like family to me. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 I don't know. It, Plus, it's... who doesn't like to cry at the end of a movie? There you go. And then, and then you could always sing Wind Beneath My Wings, too. Yeah. So, You are the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> uh, number 16 was uh, Willow. It was a Ron Howard film starring um, Val Kilmer and Joanne Wally Kilmer and, and Warwick Davis, because we don't want to forget the little guy. Yeah. And you call them little guy, man. You're totally gonna get mail. Well, in terms of star stature, he is the little guy in the film. Mm. He certainly didn't go on to be the saint or, or a star in Scandal. And actually, the two leads ended up getting married. Ah, yeah, well, Joanne Wally Kilmer. Oh, the, I guess Kilmer. That, guess that makes sense. Not for um, long though. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> well, Warwick Davis was. Uh, he played um, the Ewok. The Ewok, yeah, yeah. Jedi. I attempted to watch this movie. I did not see the whole thing. It not for me. It's just not my kind of movie. Um, I I have to admit that I I did enjoy parts of it. I went to the theater to go see it. Was this. in the film lineup at midnight the day before the release. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> he lies. Now my 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 cousin had come down from up north, and uh, we went to go see it uh, the night she came down, and uh, it was kind of fun because we actually walked there, and um, this has nothing to do with the movie, but it's a cute little anecdote, just the same. Um, this guy commented on my cousin like I. I have all female cousins. I've got like, like like two male cousins, but we're not very close. But um, she was walking beside me, and this guy who was sitting on this ledge with all of his friends and trying to act all cool said, hey, nice ass. So immediately I turned around and said, hey, thank you. Oh, <laughs> all of his friends started razzing him at that point. So <laughs> it was perfect. It was the perfect zinger, and I loved it. But so... that's what I remember about Willow. <laughs> any any feelings about the movie one way or the other? Did you enjoy um, it or I enjoyed parts of it because it also had Billy Barty in it, um, playing playing the old wizard uh, who was trying to choose the uh, the young wizard, which was wasn't he in Under the Rainbow? Yeah, yeah, he had and a little. Wasn't he on? Didn't he? Wasn't he on Bizarre all the time? Yes, he was. Oh, that's right too. Yeah, yeah. and I I have to admit I enjoyed Billy Barty because he was a crusty old bastard. Yeah. And I, I I liked him. Um, but yeah, Willow, 
it was another one of those movies where you really had to turn off your brain and watch it. It was kind of like Knight's Tale, but 15 years earlier. There's another one I haven't seen. Really? Knight's Tale was kind of fun. Yeah. Anyhow, moving along. uh, At number 15, we have Rambo 3. This is, of course, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Richard Crenna. Um, Has anybody seen this movie? Yeah, they have. I mean, it was the 15th most successful film of 1988. (laughs) And I I recall it coming on video and being hugely popular. See, I don't understand. Um, I barely recall recall Rambo 2, but Rambo, or sorry, First Blood, uh, sticks in my head like it was. It was brilliant. Well, in this chapter, doesn't Rambo go to Af? Or no, uh, um, his his leader Richard Crenna goes to Afghanistan, ends up getting captured. Yeah, and then they get uh, Rambo to come in to rescue him. Yeah, I mean it, it's balls out action, and if that's your thing, then that's your thing, and and, and cool. It's just not my thing. See, and the first, the first movie, First Blood, is such a great movie. And yeah. and this is you know did we talk, yeah we talked about this last time with Rocky didn't we yeah in seventy nine Rocky two came out and how Stallone kind of starts with a really really great foundation of a story and everything and and makes one great film and then bastardizes the entire and thing by franchising it to death this is like uh, a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy no very it, degraded. but it's not because well, I mean it's. It, I mean, it isn't. It isn't it, the same a story. A photocopy will bear some resemblance to the original. Well, this, this has doesn't. this has two characters from the, the that are the same. Two. <laughs> it has two people that have the same name as the people that are in the first film. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, nothing. You know, I, I don't know. The first one. I mean, the first the one really first owed one was... a lot to Deliverance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole kind of. Um, uh, the, you know the, the the dude against the rednecks kind of thing, but but it had a little bit it it, it had so much heart, you know, yeah. and and I this one which was like Rocky, yeah, as well, yeah, and this one but, is pretty much about paycheck. It's about making money and and just it it, it has sequelitis, you know, um, the bigger the number is in in the title, the more dead bodies you have to have in the films, so. and I can uh, without without having seen it. I can tell you that at some point, uh, he makes some heartfelt statement about America or being American, and then does a lot of shooting up in the air for some reason. See that? Okay, you're, you're kind of stepping on a bit of a pet peeve of mine, which is <laughs> Canadians that complain about um, Americans showing pride in being Americans well, no, I, in film. I, as long as we're going to, as long as we're going to consume American culture, live with it and don't I complain get about the it. Patriotism. But, uh, I actually, I feel American patriotism when I'm watching movies like that. But this one, it seems to be thrown in as an afterthought. I'm sure uh, I, well, I know I've seen clips of this movie because I know parts of it, but uh, it's always thrown in as an afterthought. It's like, oh, shit, we just killed all these uh, people. Well, everybody's good, and we're all equal. And uh, Yeah. I, 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 I really don't think that a Stallone film would be talking about uh, the equality between Americans and Afghanis. No, probably not. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not seeing it. 
Uh, number 14 was uh, Working Girl with uh, Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, and Sigourney Weaver. And it was a Mike hmm. Nichols film about a secretary who um, is kind of used by her boss to to further some business transactions. And when the boss is in, incapacitated, she kind of takes the bull by the horns and, and makes things happen herself. Great film. I love this movie. I really do. I, as much of a fan of Harrison Ford that I am, I have never seen this movie. It's you know what for Harrison for a Harrison Ford film, this is very unlike him. Um, he just plays a really kind of ordinary guy, and he he's the male lead, but he's not he's not the guy that takes control of the situation. He's not a leading man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it, 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 it's really cool. It also stars um Alec Baldwin and I believe yeah, it's Alec Baldwin in a small part playing uh Molly Griffith's fiance that she is is not getting along with too well and everything. But it's a great film. Um, soundtrack is done by Carly Simon. Who, uh, I like Carly yeah, Simon. Let the you know that song "Let the River Run." That mm-hmm. was the theme for this. It, it, it's it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, give it give it a shot. Next one up, uh, number thirteen, is a fish called Wanda, starring like John Cleese. Great movie. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank Kevin you, Klein. Kevin Klein, Michael Palin, and it's just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, British comedy meets American style comedy, and uh, it, I haven't seen it done this this well ever before or ever since. It, it, I mean, it is. It's this really, really cool fusion of the of the two brands of comedy. You know, that kind of dry but smart British type of comedy uh, combined with the zany, over the top American kind of comedy. It, it 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 is it is great. And I mean, everybody in it they they're at the top of their game. Uh, it's just uh, if you have not seen this. Go now. Yeah. Push pause. Go rent it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's about five jewel thieves that um, the their their ringleader gets uh, incarcerated, and it's it's a big scramble to try and find the jewels, and and everybody's trying to screw everybody else over, and it, it's great. And if you can, can. How about a kiss? Can <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's great movie, great movie, and and uh, Kevin Klein scored an Academy Award nomination for his uh, his performance um, yeah, in this best, as well. Best supporting actor. Yeah. Um, the twelfth highest grossing film of nineteen eighty eight was uh, Scrooge, a Bill Murray comedy. Oh, yeah, this is this is my favorite, or probably one of my top three favorite christmas movies yeah it really takes the whole um dickens christmas carol story and and kind of turns it on its head while being almost completely faithful to it yeah i uh it's a modern retelling of a christmas carol and but uh, but hysterically like it is so funny the the scene with carol kane as the uh (laughs) ghost of uh christmas Uh, christmas past wasn't it christmas past present present yeah the, oh, yeah. the, the past was William Fourth's eye. The second one was Carol Kane, and then the third one was remember the big dude in the in mm-hmm. the, the he looked like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. With, with with the toaster, <laughs> just beating him with the toaster. <laughs> oh fuck, that was funny. <laughs> I I just fell to my chair when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, 
or when they're trying to figure out how are they how are they going to get the antler on the mice, use a stapler. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's some funny stuff. Yeah, but uh, he did kind of do the same sort of thing that my grandmother used to do. Is that staple uh, antlers on mice? Well, no, no, he used to kill mice a lot, but. Um, <laughs> No, it was a like, wholehearted thing. <laughs> uh, no, she used to buy Christmas presents in bulk. So, like one year, uh, all all the granddaughters got canned ham. See, like uh, a, a nightgown, and all the grandsons got a beach towel. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was one year where there was yeah, there were four uh, million dollar a Canadian million dollar bill beach towels because we kind of adopted uh, one of my kind of cousins as a grandson so it was it was kind of funny uh next up is oliver and company um i've got nothing about this movie i haven't even seen it i think this was one of the last um of the kind of old school disney movies the of the you know the kind of shoddy 2d (laughs) (laughs) that they had sort of degenerated to i think their next release would be the rescuers down under come before or after the Little Mermaid? Mm, I think before. Yeah, and that would that would be what kind of starts turning things around. Um, the animation does get significantly better for Disney, and um, they they really kind of have a resurgence and renaissance when uh, the Little Mermaid finally comes out. But this one, it was it didn't appeal to me when it came out. Um, I never had an excuse to see it. Or a and, reason, and that's, and, and that's strange for me too because I think I've seen all the Disney animated movies. Well, and, there's some I haven't, like The Great Mouse Detective. I couldn't even get interested in. And uh, wait a second, <laughs> okay, maybe there there might be a handful of Disney animated movies I haven't seen, and this is one of the fingers yeah. of the handful. Uh, number ten, we're into the top ten here. Uh, uh, Beetlejuice, 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 Beetlejuice. Uh, this stars Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, <laughs> Gina Davis, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Jeffrey Jones. It's got an amazing cast and is directed yep. by uh, Tim Burton. This would be his follow-up to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, it was brilliant. It, I, it's fantastic. I loved it. Um, uh, a young married couple are um, die in a car accident and are haunting their house and a new family moves in and... Hmm. They they find them a little distasteful, and they're trying to scare them out of there. And when their tactics don't quite work, they they call upon a professional, that being Beetlejuice. Yeah, and uh, played by a completely insane Michael Keaton. Yeah, oh, completely over the top. Yeah, it was, but in brilliant. the best way possible. Yeah, like he he did exactly what he had to do for this movie. Yeah, um, so much so that yeah, in follow up movies uh, where he's like playing something toned down, it was wow. That's really toned down. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis as, as the married couple that uh, were ghosts, uh, just their, their their attempts at being scary, like wearing a sheet with holes on it going, yeah. ooh. <laughs> well, the, I, what was really interesting about Michael Keaton, too, I mean, because prior to this, he did, like, you know, um, oh, Night Shift and Mr. Mom and Gung Ho. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was always that kind of slick, fast-talking dude, and everything like that. Um, and with this, I mean, he was just—he was completely fucking manic in the ad. And then his next role would be Batman, hmm. which was another complete departure for him. Well, actually, I think 
yeah, I think we'll be talking about later this year as well too. He turned in a, a, a significant dramatic uh, performance in Clean and Sober as well. But yeah, um, plenty of special effects in this movie that were quite well done. Uh, well, which 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 will which became and will become synonymous with Tim Burton. Oh yeah, you know he's he's kind of uh, leading edge in in visual style and stuff like that and. And uh, yeah, I, I I fell in love with Winona Ryder in this too. Like I was. Was it, this was yeah this just before Heather's right? Um. Was it? Yeah. yeah. This was after Square Dance, which was awesome, great, great mm-hmm. movie, with an awesome performance by her. And yeah, I think this is right between Square Dance and and Heather's. Yeah, she played the the, the disaffected. Little goth teen. chick. Yeah, that was. Uh, I see dead people. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, next up at number nine is the Naked Gun, uh, the Leslie Nielsen uh, police squad movie. Uh, Zucker Abram Zucker film. Yeah, they. Um, I remember seeing this and enjoying it. It was probably the best of the franchise that eventually came out after this i was never like i've never been a big fan of that type of comedy i mean mm-hmm. this is done by the guys that did airplane and mm-hmm. i loved airplane airplane was yeah like the jive talking nun yeah but this <laughs> this just didn't really appeal to me for some reason whatever mm-hmm. it was um you had leslie nielsen i believe priscilla presley was in this one oj simpson was part of the cast back before you know everything yeah <laughs> back before he became the notorious oj <laughs> Um, old jailbird, but I, I do know like from my days at the, at the video store that this, that while well, this franchise was just insanely popular, mm-hmm. but yeah, it just, it never really appealed to me. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it though. Just the same. Um, I was a kind of a fan of that kind of humor. I probably couldn't watch it today and enjoy it as much as I did back then because I am old now that you are. <laughs> Okay, um, we're up to number eight, which would be Die Hard. Oh, yes. The John McTiernan film starring Bruce Willis, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, Ellen... Why am I blanking on his last name? Rickman. Rickman. And uh, Hart Bachner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hart the Bachner. movie that changed the action film genre. It did. I mean, it, it really became the blueprint of what every action film after it would be. Like Speed was Die Hard on a Bus. Yeah. yeah. And Speed 2 was Die Hard, Die Hard on a Boat. Oh, fuck. They should have <laughs> thrown Speed 2 back, man. Was... But yes, uh, Bruce Willis, he uh, he stars as John McClane, who has come from New York to L.A. to uh, spend Christmas with his, uh, with his estranged wife and, and children and ends up in the middle of what seems to be a terrorist uh, hostage taking. Uh, strangely enough, this is also in my top three Christmas movies. <laughs> it's a great Christmas and, flick. And this is it. Yeah, two of my top three <laughs> Christmas movies are in 1988. Yeah. Tis and, the season. Yeah, and uh, again, it was just awesome. It was, oh, it, it, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again. You know, when it initially came out, I really didn't think it was for me. Like, I thought, eh, okay, whatever. Hmm. I, I like Bruce Willis for Moonlighting and... But he hadn't done a film like even Blind Date when it first came out. I really wasn't that interested in seeing. But um, 
when Die Hard first came out, I wasn't interested in seeing it, so I didn't see it in the theater. And it was probably out on video for a while before I finally kind of gave it a chance and sat down and watched with it. Watched with it. Watched <laughs> it. And um, it it just, I was on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. There's that great scene where he's with the um, with the, the, the fire, fire hose. And then he jumps, and jumps off the, the Oh, oh yeah. God. And then when he, when he finally gets in there, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired. You stupid son of a man. Like, I'm like, talk, like it, it made me talk to the screen. Like, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I got caught up in it. And, and I mean, it's a franchise that has the, 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 the three subsequent films haven't been as good as Die Hard, but still higher caliber than most action films. Uh, especially for sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, consider, uh, Die Hard 3 was that Die Hard with, with vengeance. vengeance yeah uh that was that was a third of the Die Hard franchise compare that to Rambo 3 yeah <laughs> there is no comparison like it is a much higher higher caliber film yeah. but yeah this is where it started 1988 wow good times and number seven is Cocktail with Tom Cruise, Brian Brown, Elizabeth Shue. Um, it's a movie about a bartender. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. How long was I out for? <laughs> uh, this was uh, directed by Roger Donaldson, who had just come off of shooting uh, No Way Out with Gene Hackman and Kevin Costner and... Um, Sean Young. But he went on to do Species, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, he's got a pretty spotty record. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it's like, swing and a miss. (laughs) Out of the park. Oh, and yeah, four balls, you walk. Yeah. Um, I shut Cocktail off. Like, I I watched it on video, and I shut it off before before it was over. I couldn't stand it. It was. But you love the soundtrack. I fucking hate the soundtrack. With Bermuda, the, the exception. Okay, I will throw something at you. Pretty mama. I'm looking for something heavy. I'll use my mic stand. That'll <laughs> fucking put a hurt on you. Ouch. Yeah, that would. That's heavy. <laughs> um, with the exception of the John Cougar Mellencamp song on that soundtrack, that is yeah. probably one of the biggest piece of shit fucking soundtracks ever made. I fucking <laughs> hate that Beach Boys song. I hate the fucking Bobby McDick. Mc, 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 Whoever song to Bobby McFerrin. Oh fucking! I hate the fucking He's Black Crow song, dude. I, I will wrote. throw something at you. I will. Probably be worse if you sprayed me with that cologne that you bathed in. Such a hole. Oh, this is gonna get fucking ugly and bloody here really, really soon. Put him up. Put him up. Number six is Tom Hanks in Penny Marshall's Big. Um. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, it's a time. cute movie. It had that little that whole dancing scene on the piano that uh, people have tried to emulate since then. To... Well, why don't we get back to the front oh, okay. and um, also mention the fact that Robert Loggia is in this as well as, as as Elizabeth Perkins. Tom Hanks stars as a kid who's feeling a little misunderstood and he makes a wish that he would be big. And the next morning he wakes up and he's inhabiting the body of about a 30 year old man. Yeah. Uh, and hijinks ensue. Yes. Well, but not crazy hijinks. Actually big is a pretty sensitive kind of movie. Mm-hmm. It, um, um, did it, did it kind of remind you of 13 going on 30 with, uh, Jennifer Garner? Yes. But 13 going on 30 is probably a little bit more, um, freewheeling than, than big was big. Mm-hmm. 
I think Penny Marshall's fingerprints are really all over this film where um, it is amusing and you're going to have some laughs and stuff like that. But it, it's there's a big heart in the center of it. And that's that's really what the movie's about. Was this her first? No, uh, no. Um, she had done Jumping Jack Flash prior to that. Oh, with Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then, of course, she would go on to do Awenings and A League mm. of Their Own. And, oh, yeah. that League of Their Own, that was a yeah, brilliant great movie. movie. Great movie. I I can't watch that without crying at the end. <laughs> That's a hard movie. Anyways, next up is Crocodile Dundee 2. Um, again, yeah, Paul Hogan's in it. And, uh, again, he wrote it. Um, the only thing I can say about it is it's pretty much the same movie. It's like Rocky 2. It's a, it's a retread of <laughs> Crocodile Dundee, only now he's in New York. I was going to say, doesn't he go to the city or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one memorable scene where a purse snatcher steals a purse and he takes a can out of somebody's bag of groceries and waits for the purse snatcher to get like way the fuck down the block and he pegs him off with this can. Um that's been used in countless other TV movies or TV shows and movies. Well, ultimately, isn't that just kind of derivative of the whole Raiders of the Lost Ark, the the big guy coming with a big sword and swinging it around uh, and everything else, and then Harrison Ford just shoots him? Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't <laughs> watch Crocodile Dundee so much that I didn't watch Crocodile Dundee 2 as much. Does that make any sense? I I wouldn't waste my time on either film. Is basically what I'm saying. It just they it didn't appeal to me. Yeah, I'll I'll what this did what this and its previous movie caused was a lot of people speaking in a horrible Australian accent and saying put another shrimp on the barbie, mate, and I'll have me a Foster's, and you call that a knife? This is a knife. Yeah. Yeah, now that you've pretty much rocked every Australian uh, cliche. <laughs> Number four is Twins with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, uh, Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito. Yeah. and um, oh, who are the girls? I know Chloe Webb is in there, and I forget who the, the other girl is. The probably more famous one, maybe Kelly Preston? Somebody like that, anyhow. they uh, It's a Riven Eitman film who had done Meatballs and Ghostbusters and... All of those big comedies. He said Riven Eitman. Did I say Riven Eitman? Yeah, it's Ivan Reitman. Oh, I guess I should have like um, began the show mentioning the fact that I'm really hungover today. <laughs> so thank you, Cherry Vodka. Oh God, that shit's good. Anyhow, and it is Kelly Preston. Is it Kelly Preston? Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, good old Riven. He made this film called Twins with uh, Arnie and Danny. <laughs> And, um, yeah, they were, they're twins that were separated at birth, the result of a genetics project, um, to try to try to create the, the, the perfect human specimen. Yeah. And which is supposed to be Schwarzenegger. And then DeVito is supposed to be like the antithesis, the, the, the polar opposite. Yeah. Um, the greedy, skeezy little scumbag. Yeah. And the, the two of them find each other and are trying to, I forget what the, the big central plot uh, thingy is wasn't there some something about some sort of engine in a car like a like a like a prototype something in the trunk of, of one know. of their cars i'm not sure because because danny devito's I mean, character is a bit of a scam artist so it wasn't he, really what the yeah. movie was about I, yeah. um 
Schwarzenegger and DeVito actually had a lot of really great chemistry together. And mm-hmm. the movie is really funny. They they would uh, get together again to do uh, Junior, um, mm-hmm. probably about 10 years later or something like that. But um, it was it was it was a successful, cute comedy. Um, like I said, the, the the plot was pretty disposable. It was really about these two characters playing off of one another. Mm-hmm. And I I enjoyed it. It, yeah. it was a cute little movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah next up, we have Coming to America with. Uh, oh, well, actually, it was a John Landis film. Yeah. Starring Edward Murphy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Edward J. Murphy <laughs> and Arsenio Hall. There's James Earl Jones, John Amos in this, and I, I'm a fan of John Amos, and I, uh, it was sad to see him in this role, but he did, he, he, he did a, a good job of his, of his role in this. Okay. But yeah, um, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall do mul- multiple parts each in this show. Um, this actually started, I think, Eddie Murphy's, uh, I'm playing six characters in a movie. But back to the beginning, Eddie Murphy is a <laughs> prince from a African country who is, um, supposed to marry the, the bride chosen for him, mm-hmm. but he's not really down with that and decides to go to America. And where else would you go to find your, your, your bride? Queens. <laughs> And, uh, and there he, you know, pretends to be a common man and, and, and looking for a, a, for a wife of integrity and, and, and beauty and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I didn't watch this movie back in the day. I actually got around to watching it before we, when we decided to do 1988 for the podcast. And it was one of those movies that I avoided because I pretty much thought I kind of know what this is all about. I knew what it was all about. It it is so um, mediocre, you know. It is it's just so middle of the road. There's nothing exceptional about it. It's not bad, but it's not great. Yeah, I I did see this in 1988 in the theater. Um, I enjoyed it in 1988. I tried to watch it again before the podcast. And yeah, I ended up uh, ended up skipping through half of it because it's like, wow, this is not as good as I remember it being. Yeah. I mean, is this it the was, sucky edit? <laughs> it was a relatively big budget movie too, and I found myself being really distracted by the sets that they were kind of like, especially I mean, when with the um, you know, when they're at the palace and all that sort of stuff, where you know it, it's supposed oh, it was to be this massive you know there's all of this wealth and everything and the sets were so sparse and they just looked kind of cheap and shoddy and you could totally tell that it was on a sound stage and you know what i mean like i don't know if if um if that's something that we've that that film has gotten better in portraying like when something's on because i find myself now when i'm watching something and then you watch behind the scenes and they were filming on a soundstage. You would have sworn that they were actually in an apartment mm-hmm. or a house or something like that. Still, I would like Eddie Murphy's bed at the beginning of the movie. Great big king-sized bed. It was massive. Uh, that would be like a single for you, right? Shut up. <laughs> not that big. <laughs> I just got, it's, it's just me being mean. I got a little okay. streak. And I'm hungover, yeah, so I'll um, lash out. Yeah, James Earl Jones in this as well. Uh, he's playing... Uh, the same kind of character that he plays in a lot of things, and kind well, of the he plays the king, right? 
Yeah, kind yeah. of the um, uh, the live action version of uh, Mufasa, Simba's dad in The Lion King. Yeah. Okay. Number two, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? This is a um, Robert Zemeckis film starring uh, Bob Hoskins. Hoskins and uh, oh, what's her name from Blade Runner? Joanne. I love her. I'm thinking Lumley, but that's. Oh, God, no. No, right. that's not right. Joanna Cassidy. And um, Christopher Lloyd is in there as well. Uh, this is it's a fusion of live action and animation. Um, the central premise is that the head of a movie studio has been killed, and it it appears that his big star, the the animated star Roger Rabbit, may have may have killed him. And Bob Hoskins is a is a burnt out detective who's not too fond of the animes, yeah. who uh, ends up taking the case to find the real killer. Yeah, and uh, this has got to be one of the best uh, um, live action with animation movies ever done. The interaction between the the live action characters and the animated characters is amazing. Yeah, just just brilliant. Yeah, um, I think it's as much a testament to the actors as it is the technology. Especially but, Bob Hoskins, who is oh. uh, underrated as an actor. Oh well, yeah, I don't well, know. I think I think he has the respect and everything. He's just he's, he's not Mel Gibson, so you know he's not as pretty to look at. So he's never gotten the the same kind of accolades, but. Or the same kind of box office. Let's, mm -hmm. But he definitely, I mean, this is a guy who was in Mona Lisa. And, I mean, he's been in so many big little films. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was a great film. I, I don't really, there's not really much to say about it other than it is a really, really fun, fun flick. And, oh, and how we almost forgot Kathleen Turner as the voice of Jessica Rabbit. Yes. Who's not bad? She's just drawn that way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I was. I, I I enjoyed it. But that brings us to number one. The number one top-grossing movie in 1988 was Barry Levinson's Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise plays uh, a man whose father has just died, and he finds out that he has a brother who's been living in uh, kind of uh, a home or more of an institution for uh, handicapped adults. More of a home. Yeah. More of a home. And Cruise's character, he's uh, sort of overextended himself financially, and he needs to raise some capital in a hurry. And when he realizes that, um, maybe having possession of his brother because the father left all the money to the mentally handicapped brother. Um, he, he figures that, you know, control the, the brother, control the cash. So he basically abducts him from, from the home that, uh, mm -hmm. Raymond is, is living in. And, uh, they end up, it's a road trip back home because there's no way in hell Raymond will get on an airplane. Cause of, <laughs> yeah. um, this is a movie that, um, I didn't think I would like to begin with. And probably the first time I saw it, I didn't care for it that much. But with mm -hmm. subsequent viewings, it, it it grows on you. It becomes more and more endearing. Yeah, and uh, Dustin Hoffman's performance in this is uh, spot on. I well compared to the the person that he was modeling it after. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Then it's mimicry. It's not really yeah, performance, then, right? It's, uh, I don't know. Method I, I, acting. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, yeah, it. 
it was kind of heartfelt because, uh, yeah, the two brothers actually get closer. And it's... Way to ruin a movie, dude. God. I thought they were going to fucking... I thought he was going to kill him. Well, that was before the aliens came. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, this, it, it's, it's a great film. And it's one that hasn't... Um, well, I think... I think the biggest obstacle in the film is, is Tom Cruise's hair because probably nothing dates this film more than Tom Cruise's hair. <laughs> There's a lot of feathering happening there. Um, and yet, yeah, he had one crappy movie, Cocktail, which was also in the top 20, but, and, uh, yeah, then the number one movie. Yeah. So, which would also be the best picture of the year at the Academy yeah. Awards. Um, strange enough, he was also, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, had an uncredited part in Young Guns as well, uh, as a cowboy. Also in 88. Hmm. Man, who knew? Who knew? So that concludes the top 20 films of 1988. Um, shall we move on? That mother? No, Ruprecht. She's not our mother. <laughs> Go on, Diana. You were saying? Well, I think that the... Ah! Ruprecht! May I take your trident, sir? Yes. Now, Diana, as you were saying, you don't think the poor should be allowed in museums? I think the Ruprecht. poor... Don't take the cork off the fork. Why is the cork on the fork? To prevent him hurting himself and others. Okay, before we start breaking things down by genre here, I think we should mention that this is our second kick at the can in 1988. <laughs> um, the first was an epic that would um, bring just about anybody to tears. It was... <laughs> uh, it, it, it had highs. It had lows. Had a lot of lows. I had a lot of lows. <laughs> and it was really long. It was. And we decided that probably in the best interest of everybody. We'd do the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. We'd redo things and maybe scale things down. There's there's a lot of releases in nineteen eighty eight. And as we as we progress through the years, we're gonna see more and more releases every year. Um it is not possible for us to any way, shape, or form be prolific. In um in going through all of this sort of stuff, so we've decided that we'll sort of talk about films that are of note simply because of maybe their success or or critical standing or just because they were films that maybe they weren't in the mainstream but um meant something to us. We will of course mention um other films just of note, but we won't really go into any depth. Uh, when we talked to them. So saying that, anything that you needed to add there? Uh, no, I think you better just covered it. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to move on to comedy here. And uh, first uh, comedy film that we want to talk about of 1988 was uh, Steve Martin and Michael Caine in Frank Oz's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Ah, uh, yes. This is the story of two con men who... Uh, um, end up working together, or one kind of mentoring the other, as yeah. well as working together. Yeah, uh, Michael Caine is uh, is a very established uh, high end con man. They uh, both tend to prey on on women, yeah, rich women. Uh, but but Steve Martin is is there for the short con. Yeah, he's there for the the, the, the quick take and getaway. If, if he gets a dinner out of shit, then it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, I, I, Michael Caine's character, he's much more um, 
high class. And he's trying to he teach. He goes for the big score, too, right? Yeah, like and he's, he's trying to teach uh, Steve Martin's character how to be better yeah. at his job. And I mean, it, um, it's such a funny movie. Like, it, both of these guys are at the top of their game. Um, and I, I don't, I think we've probably seen Kane play characters similar, similar to this, mm-hmm. but more authentic characters, like, <laughs> not, not ones that have this sort of diabolical, um, secondary scheming kind of thing that, that that's mm-hmm. happening. The two of them, um, both set their sights on the same woman to con played by Glenn Headley, who's excellent in this. Um, you might be familiar with her from Dick Tracy mm-hmm. playing Tess Trueheart, uh. but, um, it's, it's great. I, I don't want to say too much cause I don't want to give too much away, but, um, there, there, there's some great, great scenes in this movie that Rupek, the monkey boy yeah. <laughs> with the cork on his fork. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. May I use the bathroom, please? <laughs> yes, you may. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hilarious movie. Yeah. And um, uh, Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars plays the butler. Okay. For Michael Caine, uh, Ian McDermott. Yeah, he plays uh, Michael Caine's butler in this. Cool. Uh, to good effect, too. Very, yeah, I, I enjoy Can't it. picture him in my head in either Star Wars or <laughs> this movie. <laughs> the Emperor? Like the the bad guy? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the guy that didn't really age much in between uh, the new series and the old one. It wasn't him in the originals, was it? Same yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, next up is uh, John Waters' Hairspray, starring uh, the late Divine, Sonny Bono, Debbie Harry, Pia Zadora, um, Jerry um, uh, Stiller. Oh, yeah. And um, and introducing uh, Ricky Lake. Um, I love Hairspray. This is, this is the movie that became... The Broadway play that became the movie based on the Broadway play. <laughs> um, this is probably Waters' first foray into anything with even a modicum of taste. <laughs> which, yeah. Which don't get me wrong, I love, I love, I love Waters at his worst. Like, but, like Crybaby was close, but yeah. this one here, it hit all the marks. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, like wide mass appeal. Yeah. It, it, it's a sweet film. It's about a, a young girl who is she's a little chunky and she wants to be on the local dance program and she sort of breaks all the stereotypes and, and manages to get on there while um, integration is beginning to happen on television, much to the chagrin of, of mm-hmm. many people. Um, it, it's, it's a great film. I mean, it, it's very subtle in its, in its, um, break uh what do you say the the advancement mm-hmm. in in ideology and and breaking the taboos of the race of racism and, and yeah. stuff like that yeah uh this was the first time i had seen it yeah. I, I i've seen i've seen the remake uh but um i i wasn't really interested in seeing the original until alan made me and i'm glad <laughs> he did because it was fantastic it i i enjoyed it i was i was I felt all the songs yeah. too. It was it was great. No, it it is. It's a really fun film, and anything with Debbie Harry's got 
I'm I'm a locked in audience anyhow. <laughs> but um, no, it, it is a really really fun show, and and it's such a surprise from John Waters. Um, it also should be noted that this was Divine's last performance; that he yes. passed away right after the film was made. I'm not even sure if he got uh, to see it as a theatrical release. I don't believe that he did, which is really sad. I mean, this is probably the biggest thing that he was part of, well, other than the notoriety of Pink Flamingos. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and he didn't really get to, to be around to enjoy the success. Yeah, and strangely, he was only three years older than you when he passed. He was only 40? Fuck. <laughs> I mean, he You're... was only he was only 35? Shut it. You mean uh, he was, was only 27? What? This is sad. <laughs> Next up is uh, Charles Grodin and... Robert De Niro in Martin Brest's Midnight Run. Yep. Um, first off, let's just take a quick look at Martin Brest. This is the guy who, this is his follow-up to Beverly Hills Cop, which was a huge hit. Yes. Um, he made Midnight Run, which again was a substantial hit. Yeah. And then went on to do Scent of a Woman, Meet Joe Black, and Gigli. This is his entire filmography. Uh, yeah, he... Uh, Talk about falling down. Yeah, and we're talking years between each movie, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't work fast, and I think anybody with a career as spotty as that should probably try and get a little bit more in. Yeah, like, uh, does he have a part-time job somewhere else, like delivering groceries or something? <laughs> pizza, like, yeah. I believe, delivering pizza. Uh, um. Anyhow, this uh, stars Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Um, De Niro plays a bounty hunter who is assigned to pick up uh, Groden and bring him back to the bail bondsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mob is also after them, as well as the FBI. And uh, Yafet Koto plays the uh, the FBI agent. That mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, a good performance by him. I like, I like him. Don't have much more to add about the, about the plot of it. This is this this movie. Uh, I didn't watch it when it came out. I had a pretty good sense of what it was, and when we did finally watch it, yeah, it was exactly what I thought it was. It was pretty much a a, a retelling of Forty Eight Hours. It yeah, it yeah. it's it it is very paint by numbers. It's just you know, connect the dots. There's there's some good performances in it, but uh, again, nothing nothing surprising. Yeah, but performances that did they really warrant this? No, like uh, did they did they warrant? the caliber of actor that yeah. was in this role. Like uh, Robert De Niro, I know he probably wanted to get a comedy under his belt just so that he's not pegged as that. Uh, well, probably more wanted a hit under his belt than anything else. And and mm-hmm. and I, I actually should have said too before we started this is that, I mean, as we, as we discussed in the intro to the show that, you know, the top five TV programs this year were all comedies and comedies were huge at the box office. Comedies infiltrated their way into everything this year like every aspect of film oh too. you had your horror comedy you had your action comedy you had your dramedy you, you know it, it, it comedy was king at this mm-hmm. point and and midnight run is exactly that it's it's a silly action flick but with with one notable standout dennis farina and this was playing his normal dennis farina kind of character Perfectly. Yeah. I just no. There's no remorse for anything he's done. Just balls out, yeah. and I 
I like him. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, I really, I can't get too excited about anything about this film. Like even Dennis Farino, um, you know, it's nothing we haven't seen him before. And it would not anything that he wouldn't do again. Um, you take a quick look at what um, this, the writer of this movie did as well. You've got wise guys, you've got bad boys, you got bad boys too. <laughs> the whole 10 yards. Um, very, very. Yeah, the whole the whole ten yards was the follow up to the whole nine yards, yeah. right? And uh, wow, two yeah. more diametrically opposed movies yeah. I've ever seen. Those are really like the second one was crappy, crappy, yeah. crappy. So it, there's, I don't know, I it just it didn't blow my skirt up. That's really all I got to say <laughs> about it. Um, Do you have anything more? Uh no, that yeah. was that was what it. Although uh, this was. Uh, De Niro's follow-up to The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say it, it would be his follow-up to The Untouchables. His uh, role in The Untouchables was very much a supporting role. Uh, the Untouchables was Kevin Costner and, and Sean, Connery. Sean Connery's film. Yeah. But uh, this is the one he did right after The Untouchables. Yeah. So I don't... This is, what, 88? So I can't think of what would have come after uh, Raging Bull, even. Uh, True Confessions, The King of Comedy, oh, Once Upon a Time in America, Falling in Love. He played. Uh, yeah, you can you can see why he Harry did Tuttle. Untouchables and 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 this. He was looking for a hit. Yeah, uh, he was in Brazil in '85. Well. Yeah, which he needed a hit. Like yeah. all, everything that he's done, all those movies that you've mentioned are all box office failures <laughs> that he put in good performances and got note for, but audiences didn't know De Niro at that point. I mean, they knew of him, but he, people weren't flocking to see his movies. And Midnight Run and um, and The Untouchables were two big box office hits. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you could you could see it was very much a, a career move more than a, than an art move. Next, we'll be talking about uh, Pedro Alvaro's Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. This was a significant film for Alvaldemar. This is the film that broke him into North America. Yes. Um, it's a frantic comedy of um, oh, a, a woman and her boyfriend broke up, but she doesn't really know why, and she's trying to get a hold of him before he takes off to someplace else with his new girlfriend. And all of this whole cast of crazy characters all started coming into play, and everybody cr- crisscrosses path, and... It's just, it, it's a lot, a lot of fun. This is um, North America's introduction to Antonio Banderas. Um, no, you, said, you, you said it wrong. Antonio Banderas. Doesn't matter how you say it. It's all how it looks. It looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a really fun film, and I, I, I thought that we should mention it because Alvaudemar would become a huge player in the international film circuit, especially, um, I mean, he pretty much can't make a film without getting a... Uh, 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 best Foreign Film Academy Award nomination anymore. So, yeah, didn't uh, Antonio Banderas? Uh, he learned his lines uh, phonetically for this, didn't he? No, he always knew how to speak Spanish. Oh, what am I thinking <laughs> of then? That he... You're thinking of the Mambo Kings. Yeah, yeah. sorry, thanks. You're 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 leaping ahead. Just <laughs> back to the future. That's right. Um, next up, you want to speak about uh, my stepmother is an alien. Yeah. Um, Dan Aykroyd, Kim Basinger, John Lovitz, and uh, Willow from Buffy, Allison Hannigan, as uh, the daughter. Um, it's about this uh, 
alien sent to Earth. Well, I guess she wouldn't be an alien on her planet, but uh, according to Earth standards, she's an alien uh, sent to Earth to figure out what this scientist is doing. Because uh, I guess he sent like a burst of energy into space and it could possibly destroy the civilization. Um, and she ends up uh, kind of falling in love with him and his daughter. And uh, it's kind of a little romantic comedy with an alien. Um, nothing too fantastic about the movie, but uh, hey, it's got Kim Basinger in it. Um, I really thought the movie was a monstrous piece of shit. Um, considering the fact that uh, Basinger was the star of Nine and a Half Weeks and um, Blind Date, uh, she was the star of the the other uh, James Bond film that uh, came out in oh, I forget what year that was. Never Say Never Again was what uh, nineteen eighty three, mm-hmm. um, and you know Nine and a Half Weeks, No Mercy, Nadine. And she'd go on to be in Batman. This is probably one of the oddest um, choices that she made of many odd choices that she would she would begin to make, um, including you know Cool World and oh, yeah, the real the McCoy and cool like I Dreamed of Africa. Kim, she I don't know. She really seemed to be out to sabotage her own career, and and mm-hmm. this was this was a it was a, a nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the director Richard Benjamin, uh, fairly well known, like yeah. second rate actor. Yeah, I mean, uh, second rate uh, director. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he went on to uh, direct uh, Mermaids yeah. in '90. After this, which wasn't a huge hit. I mean, it was. Yeah. It's not a bad movie, but it's not a great movie, and it was. But again, I I'm still a fan of Bob Hoskins, though. So yeah, and Cher. I know how you love the Cher. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have her tattooed on your shoulder. I wish I had a tattoo, but not of Cher. <laughs> you wish you had a Cher tattoo. <laughs> I'd like to share my tattoo of Bob Hoskins. Yeah, that's it. And lastly, the one that we'll talk about is uh, The Great Outdoors, which was also a Dan Aykroyd film. But it also starred uh, John Candy, Annette Benning, and I forget who the other wife was. Uh, anyhow, uh, the film's about... Uh, John Candy and his family trying to get away for the summer and having his uh, brother-in-law imposed upon him <laughs> and the hijinks which ensues. It was it was a really successful film. It was really cute. Um, harmless though. There's there's it was it was it was successful and that's sort of why we're bringing it up. And um yeah, um this this was uh Oh, Dan Aykroyd, he did four movies in 88. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, None too good, but... (laughs) Well, just having a baby, uncredited. Well, yeah, I wouldn't really call that. But as as his character from The Great Outdoors. Remember, this is the, the, like, like, taxi scene? No, that would be uh, Steve Martin in, uh, from his role in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But and she's having a baby. It's also his character from the Great Outdoors. No, uh, according to IMDb, yes, it is. No, well, I think IMDb is wrong. Uh, Caddyshack Two as well. Was oh, he in Caddyshack Two? Yeah. Oh my God, he had a bad year. He had a bad <laughs> year. 
Anyhow, uh, to just sort of quickly list off a bunch of other stuff that came out that year was uh, there was 18 again, Arthur Two on the Rocks, Big Business, Big Top Pee Wee, The Biloxi Blues, um, Caddyshack Two, which Mark just mentioned, uh, Casual Sex, The Couch Trip, which was another Dan Aykroyd film. Um, Dead Heat with uh, Treat Williams and uh, Joe Piscopo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Ernest Saved Christmas. Feds. Funny Farm. Uh, one of the last Chevy Chase uh, theatrical releases. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is the only name actor in this. At, in what? In Funny Farm. Uh, Madeline oh. Stowe. Or not Madeline Stowe, uh, Madeline... Oh, she was in The Super and... Oh, it's completely eluding me now. Yeah, but great actors. Well, at that time, (laughs) I mean, I think you got to bear in mind who... like. It's like Juliette Binoche, or not Juliette Binoche. um, Oh... What's her name? She Colonel was, Sanders. No, they were trying to make her the next big big thing, and she was in everything. Um, Smell a Sense of Snow and Sabrina and uh, Ju- Julia Ramond. Okay. She was in um, with uh, Sean Connery and and uh, Richard Gere, the, the King Arthur movie. What the hell was it called? Uh, a Knight something... This wasn't Lancelot or no, no, it was something with Knight I, in it. I, I know what you're. Uh... But but I mean, this Madeline chick, she was like that, where they were trying to make her the next big thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a short period where you'd see her in a lot of stuff, and then she completely disappeared. Same as Julia Armand, and I mean, you see actresses like that cycled, and I take note. So shut up. That's basically <laughs> what I'm saying here. Um. We also had that year High Spirits. Um, I'm gonna get you sucker, which was a uh, Wayans film. Johnny Be Good, License to Drive, starring the two Corys, Married to the bo- Mob, which is probably <laughs> you're gonna say Married Married to the <laughs> Bong, aren't you? I'm I, I'm not talking very very well today. Married <laughs> to the Mob, which I think um, I think will probably be talking about for just a second when we get into the Academy Award nominations because there were some there. Yep. Um, Moon Over Parador. Um, My Best Friend is a Vampire. Red Heat, which I'm surprised that you didn't bring up. Well, are you going to talk about that in the action section? Maybe in the action section. Okay. I don't know. Let's wait and see. But yeah, that was another Arnie movie. Yeah. We have Satisfaction... Spike Lee's School Days, uh, She's Having a Baby, Short Circuit 2, Spike Benson, Her Stars and Bars, Sweetheart's Dance, um, Tiger's Tale, Vice Versa, uh, and that's pretty much it. Oh, and Yahoo Serious and Young Einstein. Yeah. Wow, what a fantastic movie. <laughs> I'll take it, your word for it. No, it was, it was so hyped up. That is like, wow, this is this is him. He's in this movie. Woo! And I rented it, and I felt ripped off. Yeah. Like, a lot. Like, I felt that I should have got my money back plus. Plus what? Uh, the time it took me to watch it. Yeah. Okay. I remember almost nothing about the movie, 
because it was that bad. Oh, I will take your word for it. You are a better man for not having watched it. Well, I saw a trailer, and if you got past the trailer and actually watched the movie, then you got no one to blame but yourself. And that's um, where I stand on it. I, I blame the convenience store in the town that I lived in that had movies because they didn't have very many. I think it's your responsibility as a film watcher to inform yourself and be wary. Um, I disagree. <laughs> yeah, well, suck it. <laughs> I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Believe it or not, 1988 was even a worse year for science fiction films than 1979. Well, it was... 79 at least had Alien. Oh, this is and, uh, Star the, Trek the beginning of the Star Trek franchise, yeah. But, I mean, we have a list of how many films, sci-fi films, for uh, 88? Uh, 17. 17, and we have exactly two that we would like to mention. <laughs> yeah. The first of which was uh, John Carpenter's They Live, which starred uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, Rowdy Roddy. And Meg Foster about a homeless fella who gets a job at a construction site, starts seeing some odd things happening, and um, takes a closer look to investigate and discovers an alien plot to, um, what's the word to use? Uh, well, they're using uh, subliminal messaging to control the populace control the populace or just sort of keep them in a nice little hazy warm fuzzy state yeah manipulate i think would be a better way word than control yeah they're 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 trying to amass all the world power and and wealth while um placating the the earthlings like the me and my dog and Oh, you're kind of earthish too, aren't you? Uh, shaped, <laughs> yes. Um, this is a great film. I love They Live. Yeah, I. The first time I watched it, uh, I this was a rental in about '89 that I that I finally got because, uh, literally, I had watched everything else at the store that was close to my house. John and, Carpenter's name on it wasn't enough uh, to make you like head straight for it. Not at the time. That's a little bit sad, I gotta say. Yeah, but um, I I had watched the commercials. I've never been a fan of wrestling either. Oh, and, neither have I. But, but John Carpenter. Uh, but uh, I knew who uh, Rowdy Roddy. I knew who Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper was, so I was like, "Hey, cool. Uh, maybe I just want to see how well he does because you know wrestling is all about acting." Yeah. So, and yeah, he turns in a really good performance here. Yeah. Um, no, and that's just it. I mean, if you need any any indication to the fact that, you know, professional wrestling is kind of a big pile of crap, <laughs> <laughs> I think Roddy Piper's uh, performance in this is is, uh, is evidence enough that these guys are really good actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it stands to, to show, yeah, well, the same as The Rock as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, professional wrestler, yeah. professional actor. No, uh, they live. It has such an unusual pace to it too. It um, 
is so slow and um tranquil at the beginning of the show and it just mm -hmm. long scenes of seemingly nothing happening and then as the movie progresses things start speeding up and as as the as the piper character starts waking up the movie starts getting faster and faster mm -hmm. it is it's a cool movie i really enjoyed it yeah i i did too and uh again by the director of one of my favorite movies of all time the thing john carpenter come on halloween escape from new york I remember watching Escape from New York when it was in the theater. That was awesome. John Carpenter, I, I'm sorry, John. Car I am, I am a sycophant <laughs> when it comes to fucking John Carpenter. I would, yeah. I would just, if I met the guy, I would probably follow him around all day, just kissing his ass, telling him how great he is. Like I, and I, I believe, if you don't think that John Carpenter is great, look at how many movies they of his that they've remade. I mean, if even if you're not a fan of the execution, you have to. You have to say that, you know, he creates a foundation good enough that people want to keep fucking mimicking it. And surprisingly enough, they are remaking They Live. And well, but we, we've been through this a thousand times, Mark. They Live I, is a remake. I know. Or not no. They Live. I thought you meant The Thing. No, I, The Thing. I have, I have cherry vodka ears today. and They're not hearing right. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, they live will will be remade and released in uh, 2011. That's right too. That was just recently announced, and that's yeah. yeah. But okay, on to Alienation, which you want to speak of? Uh, yeah. Um, the director Graham Baker. Uh, not much to say about his career, but uh, this was brought to you by Rockney S. O'Bannon, who did, who who created Farscape, and I know you probably weren't a fan of Farscape, but I definitely was. Um, great writer. He wrote all of the uh, direct-to-TV movies of Alienation as well. Um, but yeah, this stars James Caan and Mandy Patinkin. Uh, are like they're two cops. Um, James Caan is the human cop, and Mandy Patinkin is an alien. Um, these newcomers, you know, the aliens have just landed on Earth about three years before, or four years before or so, and uh, they're already in integrating into society. And uh, Man Mandy Patankin is the first of them to become a detective in the police department. And um, this movie is all about uh, an alien drug that is hitting the streets that only affects the newcomers. And the power and where it's lying and stuff. Uh, it was okay. I wouldn't have made it a theatrical release. It was more of a TV science fiction kind of movie. Well, it did become a television well, TV yeah, series for a whole season. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it it had a lot of ambition as well, too. I mean, you're talking about a year where... Racism was explored in many different ways, from John Waters' Hairspray to uh, Costa Gravis's Betrayed and um, Midnight Mississippi, Miss, burning. Mississippi Burning. And, I mean, Alienation is sort of a parable about, um, you know, racism in America as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, 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 it was ambitious. I just, I don't know, it was very, I didn't find it very engaging. 
Yeah. Um, I think the best part I found about it was uh, uh, the half-naked alien chick in it because I thought she was kind of hot. There you go. When but, when, and, when the best part of the movie is the half-naked alien chick, not a good movie. Uh, I was also surprised that Mandy Patinkin did not find some way to sing in it because he seems to find a way to sing in almost all of his movies or TV performances. Anyhow. I would think that if we did up a pie chart, we would find that that assertion is not true. Really? Yes. Uh, okay. Because I'm thinking Yentl, and I'm done. What? Movies that Pandy, Mandy Patekin has sung in. He sang in uh, Yentl, did he? Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying I'm surprised that he had he didn't find a way to sing in this movie. Because mm-hmm. what other movies did he do a lot of singing in? Uh, well, did he sing in um, Princess Bride? I never watched it. Oh. But he did as the doctor in the Chicago Hope. I don't That's know. Not a movie. We're we're <laughs> as I say, our T V performance. Regardless, this is going on way too long about a movie that doesn't deserve this much talking about. Alright. But strangely enough, it's about the only movie of note. Yes. On my list. Okay, well let's um let's slide into action films then. So the first action flick we'll talk about is uh, Roman Polanski's Frantic, which starred Harrison Ford, Betty Buckley, and um, Emmanuel Appare. It was Emmanuel Salinger? Or is it Bray? No, Salinger. Um, This is a film with uh, Harrison Ford playing a doctor who's gone to Paris to partake in a convention. And shortly after checking into their hotel, his wife disappears. And he spends the rest of the film trying to find her and ends up in the middle of a smuggling... Um, give me a word. Um, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, a smuggling ring. Ring. And he ends up having to f- track down the goods which his wife was kidnapped for so that he had that because it was slipped into her luggage yeah well similar looking luggage wasn't it yeah yeah Uh, this is a great movie this is a great movie i i agree um and it is it's frantic because he is desperately trying to find his wife and will be do it will do anything yeah to find her and uh, uh, Again, like in Working Girl, this is a this is a role that we haven't seen Harrison Ford in before. You know, he he is really the, the fish out of water here. He is not in control of no. his situation that he's in, and yeah, he's and he's he's not the badass. You know, like he, mm-hmm. um, he's he he's really grasping at straws through the whole movie and just floundering through. But he's really engaging and. Um, the the girl that he's he's working alongside with, she's charming as well, and it just it turns into um, a, a sort of a really fun ride, but without that forced kind of comedic effect happening. Mm-hmm. It, it it's a great movie. That's really about all I have to say about it. And yeah, and the fact that yeah, he's an American in Paris, 
and doesn't speak the language at all. Yeah, it just adds to the frustration that he's that he's having, and it's it he Polanski did it well in this. Yeah, sort of the fish out of water thing there. Yeah. Uh, next up is uh, Shoot to Kill, which starred um, Tom Berenger, Sidney Poitier, Kirstie Alley, uh, Richard Mauser, uh, Clancy Brown. Ah, uh, Clancy Brown. I yeah. like that guy. Uh, the movie is about uh, this guy who um, ended up killing some people during a hostage taking in the city. He heads for the mountains and ends up joining a um, uh, a, a tour group through the mountains that is being led by Kirstie Alley. Uh, when Sydney Poitier gets to the to the town to to find uh to find the guy, he encounters uh, Tom Berenger, who is Kirstie Alley, Alley's boyfriend, and uses him to help track down the other party. This is a really good movie. Like. I'm generally not a big fan of action films. Uh, Sidney Poitier's presence in the film is kind of indictment enough that, you know, this is something of substance, at least something that bears your attention because he doesn't do a lot of stuff and no, he's quite I'm picky about what, very it is that he, does about what he does. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just, it is a really exciting movie. It's got a lot of suspense. Um, and this is sort of Tom Berenger when he was at the top of his game and, wasn't kind of just sleepwalking his way through films. Yeah. Um, I remember watching it back in the late 80s, and yeah, I enjoyed it at the time. I haven't seen it in almost 20 years, so I don't have a lot of input on the movie. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, next is The Deadpool. Ah, yes. It's a Dirty Harry movie with Clint Eastwood playing Harry Callahan again. Um. Which and, he does much better than when um, Meryl Streep did it in the movie before him. Because Meryl Streep as, as, as Dirty Harry just doesn't work <laughs> the same way. Uh, shut your hole. Yeah, uh, Liam Neeson is also in this as well. Uh, one of Liam Neeson's many films this year. Um, which uh, it's about um, a list of... Uh, Schindler's? Oh. God, will you shut up? But no, it is a uh, list of local celebrities to San Francisco that uh, are not really expected to die, but uh, they're sort of like, well, it, it's a pool, like like a hockey pool where like your list, you want you want the people to actually... Well, become, it, a dead pool is it's sort of a lottery kind of thing, right? Yeah. Where, you, um, you know, I'm sure that Amy Winehouse is is on top of several Deadpool's right now. <laughs> uh, uh, people yeah. who you would assume are at at some risk of passing away for one reason or another. Like uh, Britney Spears just recently removed herself from probably several Deadpool lists because of her comeback. Uh, anyhow. Um, a fairly decent turn again as Dirty Harry uh, keeps you guessing throughout who the who the bad guy is. Meryl um, Streep. Yes, it was Meryl Streep. Um, surprisingly, Jim Carrey is in this in a very early role. Uh, he's playing um, sort of an Axl Rose kind of character who uh, 
uh, dies from a drug overdose. Unfortunately, the same couldn't couldn't be said for Axl Rose. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> He'd already put out Welcome to the Jungle. Which is used extensively in this film. Yeah, I know. But what has he done since then? Use Your Illusion 1 and 2? Yeah, I don't care. I'm not a big fan of uh, Guns N' Roses. That's just wrong. November Rain, dude? Paradise City? Well, you can take me down there. But Carry on with it, the grass is green and the girls are pretty, but um, I remember when when it came out, it was uh, kind of good. I I enjoyed it, um, but yeah, it's if if it's really cool to see Jim Carrey before he became Jim Carrey doing his style back then. Back when he was Sally Carrey, yes. Actually, when he was James Carey. Oh. He, he was listed as James Carey in this movie. Ah, be quiet. <laughs> Next up uh, is Above the Law. Uh, what is to note about this is that this is what introduced the world to Steven Seagal as an action movie star. This was his first movie. Um... Unfortunately, it made enough money to get him more work. Uh, he plays a... Uh, uh, a okay, he's a dick. I can't, I can't do... This, this movie sucked. <laughs> I didn't know why I chose it. Well, okay. I, I have not seen it, but I will. It is of note. It was very, very popular, and it, it did launch Steven Seagal's career. Um, as well as Seagal being in this, you have Pam Greer and an early performance by Sharon Stone before she kind of broke through with Total Recall and eventually Basic Instinct. Um, Playing his wife, no less. The director, Andrew Davis, went on to do um, The Fugitive and uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the sequel to that, Under Siege. Was Under Siege a different film altogether? I believe. Under, uh, I think he did Under Siege uh, and Under Siege Two. U.S. Marshals was the U.S. Marshals. Yes, he also did uh, Strip Tease. Hmm. So he was he was clipping along pretty good there until uh, he did uh, um, Strip Tease. Hmm. Um, Which I the only thing I have I've noticed this is just that it was Steven Seagal's first movie. Yeah, no this this was the, this was um the first film of note by by Andrew Davis and he um yeah he did Under Siege, The Fugitive, um Chain Reaction, Perfect Murder, Collateral Damage, Holes. Uh, you know he's he's had several successful films, and um, Striptease was not one. I don't know where I pulled that out of, but um yeah so you know first Seagal film. First significant Davis film and early performance by Sharon Stone. And it, it was a very, very popular movie at the time. That's because in 1988, people were dumb. Um, just maybe a little easier, easier, easier entertained. Let's not say dumb. Let's say it was a simpler time for simpler folk. <laughs> yeah. Other action films that year of note were... Um, Bat 21, uh, Black Eagle, which was a Van Damme film, 
he was uh, he was getting pretty hot at that point. Um, as we already mentioned, Die Hard came out that year. Chuck Norris had The Hero and the Terror. Uh, Iron Eagle 2 came out. Charles Bronson was in uh, Kinjiti? Forbidden Subjects. Um, what else was, came out that year? Oh, uh, Red Heat, which was a Walter Hill film with Schwarzenegger and James Belushi. Uh, Rent a Cop, uh, Burt Reynolds film. The Rescue, I, that was, um, uh, you know what, I'm not even going to pretend that I know. <laughs> uh, Shakedown came out that year, and that was pretty much it. Um, like I said, a, a lot of films ended up coming under the comedy umbrella as well, or some other subgenre, so... Not uh, not as many action films were released as maybe they would be now. So that's it for part one of the show here. Um, hope you've enjoyed what we've talked discussed so far. And I did. There's plenty more to come. There's there's lots of stuff to talk about yet. Um, please leave comments. I was I've been meaning to bring this up the last couple of times, and um, I finally remembered. But if, um, if, if you want to leave comments at uh, hermophobia.blogspot.com and you see that you have to sign in in order to do that, there's a lot of ways that you can sign in. Um, if you have a Gmail account, you can sign in using your Gmail login mm-hmm. and, and you're good to go there. If you don't have a Gmail account, don't be discouraged. Um, you can sign in through any OpenID service. What's that you say? Well, <laughs> there's a number of stuff that you probably already have um, a subscription or a membership with. And you can um, see them all at openid.net slash get. That's G-E-T, get. Um, openid, O-P-E-N-I-D dot net. Um, this includes stuff like AOL, Blogger, Flickr, Live door, live journal. If you have a live journal account already, you can you can sign into uh, Blogspot. Um, Orange for the France Telecomers, Smugmug, Technorati, Box, Yahoo, and WordPress. These are all stuff that are involved in OpenID. And if you don't have any of those, you can get an OpenID account. And this will provide you access to all that stuff that I've listed already. Yeah. And and then you can leave us comments. You can tell us what piece of shit slags we are, and uh, yeah. and, um, and and talk faster. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so bear that in mind. Uh, so feel free to leave us comments. And um, uh, alternatively, you can also just send us an email at hermophobia at gmail And if you'd like to hear your voice on the podcast, attach an MP3 with uh, what it is that you have to say to that email and you will hear yourself hurt. Yeah. You will hear yourself hurt. We, you will hear yourself being heard by us. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So anyhow, that's it. That's the end of part one and uh, we will, you'll, we won't see you next week because this is audio and we don't really see anything. Yeah. But so we'll be here again next week and you can come listen to us then. Yay! And for part to, two of uh, yeah. 1988. That's right. All right. Take care. Bye bye bye. Cause I gotta have fun.